Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't believe it. Did you do that again? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the best streaks. That's a streak of two, and it's one of the best I've ever seen. Rooker with his first big league home run, and it's two to nothing, Twins. Bramer called two home runs yesterday. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. He, he flat called the snow, the snow home one, run. he said, is coming up. In fact, here's the snow home. High fly to left. Going back is O'Neill, and it is gone. That's it's a four-run lead. One heck of a call by you, partner. Holy cow. And then before the Rooker home run, he goes, Brent Rookers, and I, I, I don't remember the exact line, but it was like, Brent Rooker, probably not too far away from his first Major League home run. <laughs> Literally, the ball is coming out of the pitcher's hand as he finishes that sentence. Dick had a great two games. It's great. Too bad the Twins didn't have a great two games. I, I would love to thank him, but I'm uh, I'm blocked on Twitter. So, Well, the, tw- the Twins had one great game. Twins we'll, did. But we'll break it down just like we always do, like it is a football game. Uh, after we thank Federated Insurance for uh, being one of our partners here on Mackie and Judd and also on Purple Daily, Federated has been around for over 100 years helping business owners in the Twin Cities and uh, as somebody who has been a business owner uh, in, in a previous time in my life, you love it one day, you're grinding the next day, you're solving problems, taking care of employees, you're pouring all your energy into it. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running the business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. High fly left field, hit deep. Going back to O'Neill, and that ball's gone. A three-run home run for Josh Donaldson. And the Twins take a 3 nothing lead. Welcome in to the Mackie and Judd Show. You can find us Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. You can also find two of our YouTube channels. We have youtube.com slash scorenorthmn, which is, by the way, like, I haven't really filled you guys in on this, but we we transitioned the old YouTube channel, the, the youtube.com slash scorenorth, to Purple Daily Podcast because it's just, it's Vikings content. It's it's Purple Daily. It's it's Vikings content. And then in the in my my harebrained idea to like flip the names around. Um, 
I think I screwed it up, and so we may have we, we may have lost Mackie and Judd as as a, as a YouTube channel name. But you can find our Mackie and Judd stuff at youtube.com slash scorenorthmn. But the uh, the Viking stuff is off to the races this week, so check out Purple Daily as well. But Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, we have spent most of the last month and a half breaking down Twins games like they are football games, and oh goody, they played two of them yesterday. Football. And it's almost over, too. What, the season? The season, yes. They, no, they've no. got like 15 games left. No, they don't. It's unbelievable. They have more than that. This is No, oh, yeah, this is why we're doing This is why... No. Okay, regular season games. This is why we're doing this is the point. I count it's at least o- The regular season is almost done. At least... Until you get to the playoffs. The hockey... Play- these are the hockey playoffs coming up. Let's see here. So they're going to play at least two... Three, so that's five. Could be a sweep there. Nine. So they're going to play at least 13 postseason games. A high fly left field. Hit deep. Going back is O'Neal. And that ball's gone. A three-run home run for Josh Donaldson. And the Twins take a 3 nothing lead. High fly ball. Deep left field. Donaldson has left the building. Here comes the rain shower. Where do you want to start breaking down baseball like football today? Football. I've got... I've got an entire page of notes here with arrows up and arrows down for game one, for game two, arbitrary thoughts from yesterday. Let's start with game one and a positive, okay? And I I know that the sixth inning was not fantastic, but let's go to the first five of this second consecutive Jose Barrios number one starter type of performance. For five innings. For five innings yesterday. Two hits, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. He came apart a little bit, or he started to to come apart in the sixth, in part because um, the catcher had a pass ball, which eliminated a double play ball that he got. He subsequently got, and then the catcher didn't stop a wild pitch, which subsequently allowed uh, Paul Goldschmidt, the runner who went from first to second on the pass ball, to score from third. But the Barrios start to me, gentlemen, was highly encouraging because it was a second consecutive really good start and and to use the to go back to um amr karate kid i feel like jose barrios has cleared the mechanism i feel like he's now pitching actually clear the mechanism would be from oh is that not from karate kid that's the kevin costner Oh man, the oh the baseball movie. Yeah, oh I uh, thought for, it was Karate Kid. You're for, right. No, for I think love you're of the right. game. For love, for love of the game, game. Which, by the way, not as good. We as should review that movie. Bull Durham. It's, it's a high. It's not that good. It's fine. It's an attempt. The Costner moved to pitcher from catcher. Bull Durham is damn near perfection. Okay, I, I apologize. I feel it like fits, though. I feel like Barrios has. So Phil said, I think it was after the start that Brios made, and it was not a disaster, but he made a start at Target Field against Pittsburgh where the Twins got off to a pretty solid lead in Brios' pitching. And I think Phil's point, correct me if I'm wrong, was, okay, dude, it's the Pirates. Just go out there and shove and be done. And instead he's, like, lost the zone at one point and clearly couldn't locate his pitches. And and it became it became an unnecessary struggle compared to what it should have been, okay? Mm-hmm. I feel like these last two games, in the sixth yesterday, he tired a bit, but he didn't look mentally worn out. And it it felt like the location of the majority of his pitches, even when he missed, was not this, oh my God, I can't find my spots here. These last two outings for Barrios now make me say, without a question, he is in my top three guys who start 
in that playoff series. Because when he pitches like this, this is the guy who I think we all agree might not be a true ace type of pitcher, but he's damn good. Yeah, I mean, I will say that the sixth inning matters. It, it, de- I agree. it, it, it definitely matters. But this is a, but, but this is all a step in the right direction compared to what we saw. How about that? Yep. And those and those five innings were marvelous. I would I would say that the total package of those first five innings yesterday with Barrios, you had Donaldson with the three run home run, Cruz with the home run. It was the most satisfying five innings of Twins baseball of the season so far. Just like it, it, they they just absolutely and the Cardinals are a good team, not a great team, but right. that's that's not a pushover team. But they absolutely choked out the Cardinals uh, in, from an MMA standpoint in the first five innings. And then they had to hold on for dear life, and they're probably lucky that it was only a seven-inning game because the Cardinals were coming on strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think three of Barrios's last four starts have given you some hope that he has turned the corner here, and he is at least going into some sort of a hot stretch that you can then ride when the playoffs start here in about three weeks. And by the way, speaking of the playoffs, the... Indians and the White Sox both lost yesterday. So the Twins pick up a half game by just splitting a doubleheader yesterday. And the current league standings, actually, let me pull up the MLB.com version of the standings because they're the only website, apparently. That, that Why are they that the only one doing out. this right? <laughs> are they know. the only one that sort of gets the formula because it's theirs? I don't know. All the other ones. It's like, like the secret sauce of standings. Everyone's just confused. They well, should, yeah, hell, I, I'm confused. So, so yes. the, the Yankees lose again yesterday. The Yankees, the wheels have come off. The Yankees are now 500. They are still clinging to the last wild card spot. Only a half game up on the Orioles and a game up on the Tigers, tied in the loss column with all three of those teams. So, so the Orioles and the Tigers are basically neck and neck with the Yankees. The Twins are the seventh seed, despite being nine games over 500. <laughs> And a winning percentage of 600 uh, because the uh, Indians and the White Sox are both uh, a half game better in the division. So if the playoffs started today, the Twins would take on the Oakland Athletics in the first round of a three-game series. Okay, again, I will ask the same question I asked yesterday because it makes no sense. Why did they not just go with the top eight records? Like, what is the reason? to The Twins being where the Twins are is just silliness. I think they're trying to... It's like to re- Gary Bettman made this up. It's weird. I think they're trying to reward division winners so that... Okay, I get that, but the second place teams have no business being rewarded. Yeah, it is weird. I, like, just I, I don't have any let them fall where they fall and then let's go play. But the Twins being a wild card and being one of the best teams, win percentage-wise, in the American League is, for lack of a better term, just stupid. Yeah. Hey, we, uh, we do have, I should mention, we have write that down predictions coming up in, uh, I don't know, about 20, 25 minutes here on the show. But um, before we get to our next topic here in breaking twins down like they're like they're a football team, let's do it again right now. You're, you're football. If they play the A's, three game series against the A's. Who are your three starting pitchers in order? Now that you've seen another start from Brios, Declan. I, I still roll with Kenta Maeda for game one. I think it's pretty obvious he's still been the team's ace. I go with Kenta Maeda uh, to start. Uh, second, I probably roll with Michael Pineda. I'm probably still going with him, even though it's just two starts and a small sample size. I, I think it, you're going to go with consistency. You're going to go with a hot hand. So I think Pineda gets game two. And then it's Jose Barrios for game three, whether um, that's the rubber match or, or whatnot. I, I, I still think uh, Jose has done enough to earn the start. How long he goes is probably the bigger question because, like you guys said, he was marvelous through five innings. Wheels came off the bus a little bit in the sixth. They let him go over 100 pitches. 
Um, and I, th- I think it'll most likely be Rich Hill or maybe even Jake Odorizzi. Like if he comes back and he's healthy, you could still slap him with uh, as a swingman to Barrios too. Odo's a wild card here. We'll have to see what happens with Odo. I like. I see what you did there. Wild yeah. card team, wild card pitcher. Trend. I like that. Genius. I know. That's good. So he, here's what I would Radio do Radio professional. Podcast professional, too, by the way. Here's what I would do now. YouTube professional, too, now. It's great. So yeah, I would I'm go. I'm not sure about that. Pictures scare me, dude. I'd go Maeda number one. Mm-hmm. Barrios number two. Pineda number three. Okay. Not because I think Jose Barrios has, like, officially become, like, I still don't trust him. I, I think he's excellent, and I think there's a chance he could throw a no-hitter in his next start. Yep. But I also think that there's a chance he could get into any sort of big game and just like get knocked out after two-thirds of an inning. That's just the type of pitcher that he is right sure. now. But I want something a little bit more stable in Game 3, and I think Michael Pineda, if you get to a Game 3 in the first round and it's do or die, I would feel more comfortable with Michael Pineda in that spot. He just seems a little bit more chilled out and just sort of comfortable with, not that he can't also walk like the first four batters that he faces, but... I just think he's he's a little bit more cool, calm, collected. He's been around for a decade, and he's Big Mike. He's he's the big chill. So I'm going Maeda, Barrios, and Pineda if I need to. And then if not, then then I can line up Pineda for the beginning of the, the ALDS if the Twins are fortunate enough to advance that far. Jeb? Okay, I'm, I'm not really torn here yet, but if Barrios has a third consecutive really strong start, and, and if his next start, let's say he goes six, then I might change this completely because I— there's a temptation in seeing him pitch like he has the past two games to move him up. But right now, Maeda one, uh, Pineda two, Barrios handcuffed to Hill three. But ask me after Barrios' next start, and if he's good, I think I'm changing it. Football. And, and by, by the way, the one temptation that I'm going to have a problem with if, if Barrios has one or two um starts after this that are really strong, the temptation for me might be to start Brios in game one. Because, I mean, in the ideal world, that's how it should work. I just, Maeda's earned that start. I agree completely with Declan. And Brios just hadn't to this point. But in the perfect world of Brios is pitching lights out completely, I'd like to start him game one. So after one or two more starts, I might flip this thing fairly significantly as far as those three names go. But, oh, and also, I do not mean to be condescending here all right but i'd like to say something quickly so as we throw this out here and it's a great topic right like it's it's fun it's like continually you know who's going to start i keep seeing tweets how can dobnik not be in in your uh first round playoff rotation or how can he not be fourth? football going into yesterday okay going into yesterday he was. It's a three-game series. So, like, to me, there's no debate here. Dobnik doesn't fit into my top three even before yesterday's start. No, he's not. No. Right, right. But I think there's a confusion. I think people might think that this is a five-game series. Like, I think they think that it's the ordinary first round after the wild-card game. So, th- this is no, this is no like, big slight that Dobnik stinks. He did yesterday. This is a, you've got three pitchers to pick from here. Even if it was a five-game series, he's not in my starting rotation. He's not. That's he, a. That, you know what? That's fair to say, and that's a different conversation. But I think people think it's bats. a five. I think people are thinking that this is five games. He doesn't miss enough bats, and you got to think too. When you when you start to get into, let's say you get to a five game series. Sure. Well, that five game series, that's the final four of the American League. Okay, so unless unless a crappy team like the Tigers, and the Tigers aren't even crappy. Like the Tigers are, I would say they are scrappy, and sometimes you can remove the S depending on the day. 
But the, but once you get into the final four of the American League playoffs and mm-hmm. you're into a five game series, you are more likely than not facing the best teams in the league. You're gonna and even if you face like the A's that have it's a ragtag roster. Yeah, a ragtag roster of dudes who get on base and hit home runs. Like guys that you need to strike out probably in order to have an effective start. Sure. And yesterday was a great example for Dobnak where and it, this is not to like denigrate him. He's a he's a good he's a great story. He's a good pitcher. When he's dialed in and when he's getting the batted ball luck too, which means like when he does get weak contact, it goes right to the shortstop or the left fielder. Um, when all of those components are working together, he can put together stretches like he did of five starts and an ERA below one. And I think he is going to be a mainstay at the bottom of this rotation for the next couple of years. I don't think he's a Scott Diamond where it's like one year of luck and then he's just out of the league forever. I don't, I don't think that's going to be his story. I also don't think his story is going to be he's the next Mark Burley and – in an era of strikeouts, he's gonna he's just gonna be a work quick pitch to contact guy that that basically bucks the trend in Major League Baseball. And yesterday, he loses his control. He starts walking and hitting the bases loaded, right? Yes. And then he get, finally gets and, he, and I guess he got the one strikeout. I think it was the first out of the inning when the bases were loaded. So he did get the one strikeout. As I was literally typing a tweet that said his problem is he can't get a strikeout. So he did get one big strikeout yesterday. Uh, but he gets his his outcome via ground ball and weak contact. And so he finally gets the weak ground ball to the left side. Oh, there it is. There's the double play. Oop, it got through because that's what happens sometimes. Sure. Kyle Gibson used to be the, yeah, the ball gets one play. Yes. I mean, Kyle Gibson was was this six or seven years ago. And then Kyle Gibson eventually developed a couple strikeout pitches and um, and had some just had some better strikeout numbers. But Gibson would have runners on first and second or the bases loaded and he'd get that weak chopper to second base or something it's like yeah but like you're still at the mercy of that ball going to a fielder yes striking a batter out or getting a run of three strikeouts to end an inning jose barrios can do that kenta maeda can do that randy dobnett can't do that and so imagine when those batters are like when the yankees get healthy and you have to face them in the alds like who do you want on that mound they're randy fi- dobnett five and 15 in their past 20 no guarantee they, they make the playoffs boys so i'm i'm with you on for the dobber but, I mean, there's no way I'm starting him within the first three games. Sorry. No, it's not. He is a great story, but I'm not yeah. doing and it. And you know what? Here's the thing. Okay, this is going to sound – we're piling on now. But if – let's say you've got Jose Barrios in game two or something. And, you know, he's through – like it's like the fourth inning. And he's not terrible, but he, his pitch counts up to like 87 pitches. And there's runners on first and second. And he's just kind of grinding. And he's on the ropes. And he's already allowed two runs. Uh, or it's four and two-thirds or whatever it is. I'm probably bringing Jorge Alcala in before I'm bringing Randy Dobnak in. Jorge Alcala, I know he gave up a run yesterday, but Jorge Alcala comes in. Yeah, he's going to miss bats. Like he's he's just as likely to face like six hitters and strike five of them out. Is this true? And, I told you, you I like need him. guys like that. I told you that. I told you. Big fan. He he doesn't completely know what he's doing yet, but he's not a train wreck, and that that's good enough for me against a good team to take that chance. And Dobnik also has, uh, to go back to your guy, Gibby, he's also got the, how can I put this? He's got the Gibby look. Like when that ball gets through, he gives you that. That, just well, got, that, that, that was an out. That's no, supposed to be, no supposed balls to be an in out. play, dude. Yeah. That can happen. It's supposed to be an out. <laughs> supposed to be. But what I mean, how many times did Gibson throw his head back in like astonishment that something bad had occurred to Kyle Gibson? <laughs> It's like, yeah, because the ball was what? in play. What happened? Bad stuff can happen. You know, in fact, I have this here. This is just if you want to get real nerdy. and Football. 
because I think you know there's probably people who listen and say, well, an out's an out. Like, what are you what are you complaining about? What do you care if it's a ground ball or if it's you know if it's a strikeout? Like, why why do you even care? And there is a great section here if I can find it on BaseballReference.com that will show you. So let's let's take strikeouts versus versus ground balls. A a, a strikeout literally has the word out in the name. Because once you get that third strike, there's a 0% chance of that batter. Well, I should take that back. If it's a wild pitch or something, there is a Depends on who the catcher zero, is. Three... Depends <laughs> if the catcher can block the ball correctly, and some catchers can and some right. can't. There's, uh-huh. a, there's a 0. 0.003% chance or whatever. But basically, there's a, there's a 0% chance that that batter can now reach base. It right. is a strikeout. If you get that ground ball, like Dobnak did yesterday. Oh, there it is. Bases are loaded, but I got that ground ball, okay? In Randy Dobnak's career, 23% of ground balls go for hits. Mm-hmm. So you're you're spinning that wheel. 23% of ground balls that he allows go for hits. And you might say, yeah, like when he gets a ground ball, there's a three out of four chance that it gets converted to an out. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's a one in four chance that it scores two runs because he couldn't miss a bat. So that's that's the reason why I'm not, I'm not like down on Randy Dobnak, but yesterday was an example of if things aren't if his control's not great. And the ball's not going to the shortstop, then he's going to give up a crooked football. Ball. All right, what else? What else can we break down? All right, I got a question. So, so I'm going to come with a complaint, but I've got a question off that complaint, and I think I've got the solution. And and this is this is in the weeds, geeky. It's a short term fix problem, okay? But we are in the midst of an incredibly short year. Right now, the starting catcher for the Twins. Ryan Jeffers is a young man just just getting his first chance, but he's got fresh legs and he's got youth and he's got everything that you would want for a guy. And it's not like it's September in real life and he's really worn down, okay? Um, in, in the fifth inning of a recent game against the Tigers, um, Rocco Pinch ran for, for Rooker, who he considered to be a liability in right field in the fifth inning of this game with Jay Cave for defensive purposes. So he basically said Cave's faster on the bases, but then probably more importantly in the top of the six, he's going to go in and play right field and be an upgrade on Rooker. And he was right about that. It seemed a little bit early, but he was still right in the sense that Jay Cave is an upgrade. Why, when until Garver gets back and Ostadia starts a catcher, why are we subjected to Ostadia catching the final two innings of any game in which he plays? <laughs> Jeffers bad, can yeah. go, but I mean, it's no, but I'm. It's the solution, right? Ryan Jeffers, who's fresh as a daisy, fresh as can be, can go into every one of these games in in the eighth or ninth, or in the case of what we saw yesterday, in the sixth and seventh, and catch the final two innings of every game. Why on earth wouldn't you pull the trigger on that move? Because Williams Astadia behind the plate is a enormous defensive liability. I mean, if you think... He's fun to watch, though. Can't... He reruns on the bases and his helmet comes off. No, and, and I'm not... He's La Tortuga. I'm not robbing you of what the turtle. I'm not robbing you of the turtle. Yeah, I'm you robbing are. you of the turtle in the last two innings of any game. What do you mean? He, he made a snap throw to first base... 
yesterday that was completely unnecessary. He almost he's just thrown off the he's thrown off the cannons. He's, yeah, he's been the, he's been tucked away the for pass a year ball and a half. Allowed Goldschmidt to walk to second, eliminated a double play, and then he, a wild pitch, which Brios, I believe it was Brios at the time, bounced, and you've got to block that. I mean, what? But I've got the solution, Rocco. You're worried about Brent I, Rooker. I, I think Williams is a to make a perfect Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles analogy. Williams is more of a Mikey Angelo, like he, he's he's a fan favorite, and he can do a lot of fun yeah, things. Cowabunga, dude! But you need more of a Donatello behind the plate, which is thank more you. of a, <laughs> a, a Ryan Jeffers <laughs> I have no idea type, what you're talking about, but thank you. who is a defensive minded guy, and and unfortunately, Williams is more of Mikey Angelo with those nunchucks, man. Thank you. I have no idea what you just said. I have no idea, but it sounds good and it sounds appropriate. And yes, that's all I'm asking for. It's a 60 game season, man. Give yourself a chance. If you're going to replace Brent Rooker in right field, replace La Tortuga behind the plate in the final two innings. He can't catch. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, there was a couple. Yeah, he's also a bit rusty. He just hasn't caught in the majors for a while. And so, but, but he's not a good defensive catcher. He's not a good defensive catcher. And there's. There's certain things you take for granted when you watch the Twins, and then you like if you see something out of the norm, it's like, oh wow, that that was a a ball that got to the backstop that I haven't seen get to the backstop in a while because the Twins have had reliable defensive catchers behind home plate. And I, I would even say like with the pitch framing, Ryan Jeffers is a great pitch framer. They've worked and with so him, no question. When right. I see like Williams Astadio and some of these other like opposing catchers will take these pitches on the corner and just butcher them, and the glove will go flying out of the zone. It's like, oh, the Ryan Jeffers is great, and Mitch Garver has, has been pretty good at framing up pitches too. So it's you take those little things for granted sometimes. Football. You brought up Brent Rooker's name here. We should break Brent Rooker down too because he looks great at the plate. He hits his first Major League home run yesterday, and Dick Bramer nailed it. I don't believe it. Did you do that again? <laughs> that's that's one of the best streaks. That's a streak of two, and it's one of the best I've ever seen. Rooker with his first big league home run, and it's two to nothing, Twins. So Brent Rooker, I had a college scout tell me when he got drafted in what 2017, I want to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Brent Rooker played in the SEC for Mississippi State. And I'll never forget, like, I was I was running this by just some people in baseball that I knew. Like, hey, what do you think of this first-round? I, you know, I don't really follow college baseball all that closely. What do, you, what do you think of this first-round guy? He said, Brent Rooker is the best hitter I've seen during this, like, period of SEC baseball. Go look at his numbers in the SEC and then also know that his numbers, which, by the way, I've got him in front of me here. Brent Rooker in the SEC, 2017, as a, he was a junior when he came out. Uh, maybe no, he might have been a senior. He hit 387 with a 495 on base percentage and slugged 810. 67 games. 67 games. He had 56 extra base hits and 82 runs driven in. And a lot of that damage was on Friday night, where in the college baseball world, Friday night is number one starter night in the best college baseball sure. league. Um, so you're facing like the big boy pro prospects and he's mashing these guys on Friday nights. And so this person told me who follows college baseball way closer than I did that of all the guys you've seen in the SEC come through from like, you know, the early 2010s all the way through from Pete Alonzo, Andrew Benintendi, Dansby Swanson, Alex Bregman, all these dudes come through the SEC that Brent Rooker was the best hitter. And, and he's now emerged and we get to see him for the first time. 
And and he had good minor league numbers, and he finally started to click last year in AAA. But when you sometimes like it's one thing to kind of watch a guy and look at the numbers as he's climbing up the minor leagues, but then when you actually get to watch a guy against the major league pitchers for the first time, mm-hmm. he looks so comfortable and in his element. And like if you were to just plop someone on planet Earth and say, "Hey, uh, this is baseball," uh, you don't know any of these players, and you don't know like who Mike Trout is or anything. That just you have to judge this based on who looks the most comfortable doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And he's like in the top five on the roster for me right now. And maybe I'm you're, overreacting, but he looks so comfortable at the play. You're going down a magnificent path, one of controversy, one of something that that Rocco would hate to question, but Football. it absolutely has to be given some thought. When Max Kepler comes back, does Brent Rooker move to left field on a semi-regular basis because... Rosario's good, but game two yesterday, he had another idiotic game. Mm. Uh, the attention span is waning. I'm just, I'm just adding, I'm not saying do you bench Rosario full time and be done with him. I'm not saying that, okay? But do you have to give thought to the fact that that, that Rooker can't DH because Cruz does, and Cruz is great. Do you give thought to playing Brett Rooker semi-regularly in left field? Here's where I would take – I love that you brought this up because my knee-jerk answer is, I mean, Max Kepler is on a six-year contract. Eddie Rosario is in his prime and is one of the you – know, when he's on, he's one of the big game guys for the Twins. Yep. I would amend what you just said to say against left-handed pitching, I would put Brent Rooker in there. That's my – yeah, exactly. I, I would let Brent Rooker feast on left-handed pitching. Okay. And if but that in means left field, like, you're saying. I don't care. Okay. He's I mean, he's a statue in the outfield. So wherever he feels comfortable. Like if, if he wants to play left field, that's cool. But I would just and I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't go up to Rosario and Kepler and say, Hey, you're benched because because yeah. you suck or and something. Rocco wouldn't. I would say, Hey, we're gonna give you a breather today. We're just hey, it's, we're giving guys breathers. That's what's the spring training until October, basically. We're just gonna give guys breathers. And I would I would make sure that one of those two guys, one of those two lefties sits so I can let Brent Rooker face left handed pitching. Sounds fair to me. And then when the like playoffs it. come around, then you have to make a big boy decision. That's like, what I'm. Yeah, if right. you feel like, wow, Brent Rooker is is the best option against a tough left-handed starting pitcher, or a tough left-handed reliever as a pinch hitter in the fifth inning or something. Like, if you have to make a big boy decision, then we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But I would definitely let him face left-handed pitch. Yeah, I like the idea, and I believe if you check out Kepler's stats against Southpaws this year, a bit awful so far. So, yeah, so he, he, he was, could he justify that one. Life, I would but. just rather have Kepler in right, and I'd rather try and hide if I could do it. Rooker in left occasionally. Yeah, he's he's not very fast. He's not. He's, <laughs> no, he's, he's he is a defensive liability. He could probably play first, but you're obviously not going to come to that Oof. conclusion with Sano playing first. Oof. He is a defensive, and the poor guy had. As I said a couple of days ago, had never played right field, had not played right field since the Cape Cod League, and the Twins parked him there, and it was quite clear that it was going to be an issue. So I would, I would probably lean on career numbers or like, a, or like a three-year sample more than I would rely on just like six weeks of this season. But mm-hmm. Max Kepler against left-handed pitching so far this year, he's batting one eleven with one extra base hit in forty-one plate appearances. So he's he's four for thirty six. He has drawn four walks, only eight strikeouts, but he's just he's, he can't hit lefties this season. Correct. Eddie Rosario against lefties. So it's funny if you just look at batting average. Eddie Rosario actually hits two seventy one versus two thirty six against righties. So he's actually Rosario's batting average against lefties is actually better. 
but he can't hit for power against lefties. Rosario, in 50 plate appearances against lefties, has two extra base hits. So his hits are just like flares and ground balls or like stuff that isn't going to be, you know, flirting with like a crooked number. So, yeah, I, I like the idea. If you have a chance to, to put Brent Rooker up against left-handed pitching, then feelings be damned. Football. Right, we got a couple more minutes here. All right, I'm going to throw one at, at you and allow you to expound. Just some words here. Trevor May in gaming. You think it's an issue? <laughs> no. Every time. Now, Trevor May has struggled of late. But every time he does, we get a text from Phil being like, ah, of it, again? It, it must be a Fortnite day. <laughs> or as I said, Asteroids yesterday. I said, is he is he playing a little Miss Pac-Man? Is he playing Donkey Kong? Trevor May in gaming, Phil. I told you, I think we should start streaming our live Tetris sessions just to see if we can get people to jump. <laughs> I'm going to fire up no the Game Boy today. Play. It's going to be great. Be yeah. great. Yeah. I did see there's, Pong. there's a live stream today. Uh, I, I am. I am 90% kidding, 10% wondering. <laughs> was he thinking about Fortnite? Was he thinking about Fortnite just a little bit? Was he thinking about, was he thinking about video games just a little bit there? Um, I don't know. He's He has, like, all the tools to be this lights-out amazing reliever, but then he just, like, can't locate his fastball sometimes and and then falls behind and then has to groove a pitch and he just gives up home runs in spurts. So... Uh, if, if, I think for the Twins to actually do damage in the postseason, both him and Taylor Rogers have to be dialed in because as we line up this starting rotation, really none of these guys, are you, you can't rely on any of these guys past the fifth inning. If if Maeda, Pineda, and or Barrios, and Rich Hill, if any of those guys give you something after the fifth inning, it's a bonus. Like I think the goal should be yeah, two think, trips to the yeah. lineup, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Pineda might give you six strong, but yeah, I, I think that the Twins' philosophy is probably, from their standpoint, of the bullpen use, which you just said. And so you will have to five. Be, you'll have to be patching four innings in every single postseason game, yeah. if not more. Here's the thing I don't get about May. I never know when it's coming. Like, like he'll have these stretches where where he locates his pitches really well, and you think to yourself, okay, it's clicked, Right. And you think to yourself, okay, now it's just going to sort of, I mean, it's not always going to be smooth, but it's going to be, for the most part, pretty effective. And then he goes through stretches like he has, I think it's his last five start or five appearances, Phil, where he just loses it and gives up home runs I mean, some of that's and, just and like everything's high. Life as a reliever, but yeah. Well, sure, but it is weird. It's weird that the the problem with him is the unpredictability of when the stretches are. So so when most guys come in and struggle, it seems like they struggle for, I don't know, an outing or two. May goes through definite stretches career-wise where he's good, and then there's five games where he's not good. Yep. And, th- and then you get a- concerned about that and think, is something wrong here? And he'll come back the next five and be absolutely fine. And that was actually the, the thing with Barrios yesterday. It's like with May and Barrios, it's basically, are they locating their fastball? If, if you're seeing fastballs sail high and out of the zone then those guys are screwed. And Brios yesterday was just dialed. Like, if he wanted to hit that four spot, which they call the, the lone outside corner, then he he, he could hit that yesterday. Um, all right, we got one of our Write That Down callers calling in here. So we're going to transition to a Write That Down session and an accountability session as well. Most sports talking heads make predictions, then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Judd with Rami. 
This is the big leagues where we own our terrible predictions. Write this down. And keep track of each other's batting averages. Write it down. You like writing things down. It's Write That Down with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. That's right. Welcome into the most exciting 30 minutes in sports talk. Or something like that. Wow, that's quite the tagline for us. I'm not sure. I like it. Not sure if that's uh, what it is, but we are the, the only most incorrect. Show. How about that? It's definitely the, the most, most incorrect. incorrect. Yeah, sports talk in town. Yeah, speak for yourself. Yeah. The most accountable sports talk you're going to find <laughs> in the country because we are the only show that actually sure. keeps track of our predictions in the form of batting averages and home runs. And uh, we welcome in guest listener predictors every single week as well. So we're going to get to our guys, Jeff in Texas, and hope that he doesn't swear like he does on Ventline sometimes. We love Jeff in Texas and uh, Jeremy as well. But before we get to our guest listener predictors, we have to go through the uh, the carnage. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Declan was off last week. So Declan, you had a, you had a Byron Buxton rest week. Last That's right. Week. How do you feel? I feel great. I feel well rested. My liver hurts still a little bit, but um, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in good shape here. I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, the stretch run. Because one of the predictions from your brother Liam a few weeks ago was about your trip to North Carolina. I saw we'll the answer yep. on Twitter about this one already. Yeah. So we'll get to that one. Write this down. If you'd like to know how write that down works, you can uh, you can obviously listen every Wednesday here on Mackie and Judd the podcast. You can also find it on youtube.com slash scorenorthmn. Three predictions every week from everybody. They must must be quantifiable. We keep track of batting averages and home runs. And then listeners, if you want to participate here, you can just send me a DM on Twitter, at Phil Mackey, and we'll get you scheduled here for some time in the next two or three months. Write this down. All right, let's see if I can work this, uh, this computer here. Accountability session time. Judd Zolgad, you said the Colorado Avalanche will win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I did say that, mm. and they didn't come close. No, they did not. They got beat by the Stars in the, well, I was going to say the second round. Is it the third round? No, it was no, the second, second, round. It was, second round. It was the second round. Okay. Right. You got it right. Um, Game seven, overtime. Yeah, that's tough. It's always tough when that happens. Uh, Jonathan Harrison, last year's defending batting average champion, had nothing come off the board. Tough week for Manny Hill. Manny Hill said Oof. Andrew Wiggins will be the most improved player in the NBA and will finish with a scoring average of 23 points per game or more. It was Brandon Ingram was the most improved player in the NBA, and he was already pretty good. So uh, He said the Bears would sign Mitch Trubisky to a contract extension this offseason. Not the fifth-year option, but an actual contract extension, unless that happens in the next two days. I don't think so. Robbie Makloff. He said the Bucks are going to win the NBA Finals. Oof. That's one of the more aggressive failed seasons in NBA history, right? I mean, they were like, by every measure, the oh, best regular season they team. They ran away with the with that yeah. portion of the schedule, right? Yeah. The regular season, they were incredible. Oof. Giannis. But Rami redeemed himself. He said over a year ago that his friend would not join a boating club by the end of 2020 summer. Uh, he had a friend that visited him that is not an old man, has some money, and said he's going to join a boating club. Yeah. I remember I, f- I filled in for Jonathan when I did this, and he told me to put this exact words, his friends that visited, and that's not an old man. And and I texted Rami this morning now that, I mean, summer officially has a couple more weeks left, but basically Labor Day is the end of summer. I said, did your friend ever join that boating club? He goes, nope. Yeah. So Rami gets a point. Wow. Rami back on the board. All right, I said, Ooh. let's see here. Did we miss Judd? No, we got Judd. 
Yeah. I said Kirk Cousins will will walk back his comment in some form, uh, the the mask take with Kyle Brandt from last week. And this is where I need your guys. I, I said I'll leave it up for you guys to rule here, Judd and Declan, and potentially even our guest listener predictors. All right. So Kirk Cousins said, quote, to the media, what I was trying to say back then, admittedly, I probably wasn't as clear as I would have liked to have been. And then he went on to clarify. Mm-hmm. To me, that's walking it back. Yeah. But then he doubled down. It's a ve- it's very murky, dude. It's very, very murky because he basically said, you didn't get what I said and I still believe what I said because he also has part of the quote is I still believe what I said. You know, I mean, let's, let's just, can you punch up the bottom one there? Sure. Can you punch up? Let's see here. Yep, he's punched up. All right, there we go. Just want to make sure we got our guys here. We got Jeff in Texas. Can you hear us? Yep. And Jeremy, can you hear us? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Let's let's just get the whole. We've got we got four jury members here. Judd, conti- uh-huh. continue your case. So you're saying that he's not walking it back. I'm saying he he tried to clarify what he said without walking it back. It's very murky. This is a this is a tough one, man. Okay, the rest of the quote is so I'll I'll read you the full quote. Kirk said, "What I was trying to say, well I was trying well what I was trying to say, yeah. Admittedly, I probably wasn't as clear as I would have liked to have been. But what I wanted to say then and what I would echo now is that while the virus does not give me a great amount of personal fear, there's still great reason for me to engage in wearing a mask and social distancing and washing my hands as frequently as I can following the protocols that have been set in place. Obviously, to be respectful and considerate to other people, which is very important, but then to also be available for all 16 games this season. So the the, the, the hubbub was about if I die, I die. I don't care about COVID. Yes. And he's saying, well, I mean. Well, I still, yeah, I don't care personally about it, but I'm trying to stay healthy for football. It's I'd say it's fine to take the point. Well, we'll go around the room here just for fun. So, so the my my contention in my prediction was that he would walk back his comments in some form. So, uh, Jeff in Texas, do you think he was walking his comments back or no? Yeah, walk. You got to have a definition, kind of. I think a walking back is Drew Brees, but I mean, he did clarify. I'm okay with you getting the point. Okay. Did, he did address it again, so I'm okay with you getting. All it. right, Jeremy, what's your vote? I'd say he walked it back as well. I mean, he tried to clarify in typical Kirk fashion. Although you should have said clarify. <laughs> I probably should have said clarify. The wording yeah. should have been he'll clarify because he definitely I think clarified. If, I think if you said clarify, I think that would have been a home run. Because yeah, because you, you did you it that day. Because you, you, you called it precisely. Yep. I think this is definitely a hit. He definitely walked it back, but it's it's most certainly not a home run. Yeah. So take the hit. Yeah. All right, we'll take the hit. We'll take, take the, the hit. hit. Okay. Uh, however, I said Tyler Duffy, man, I love me some Tyler Duffy, but I said he would allow three earned runs or fewer this regular season. He's only allowed like five, but, uh, and then I had a parlay. I said the Lakers would beat the Bucks in whatever version of the NBA championship is played if the season resumes. And well, the Bucks are making that difficult because they just got beat. The listeners, oof, oof. bloodbath for the listeners here today. Let's see. Simon T said Wiggins will win NBA Most Improved Player. You Vike that said Kirk Cousins' Pizza Ranch commercials will continue next season, <laughs> but his buddy Kevin will no longer be part of them and replaced by another buddy. Here's the amazing thing about this. We got a great email from a listener, Micah. It was a book. All right, Micah sent an email. So Micah's family 
Mike, Micah's family are franchisees of pizza ranch locations. And by the way, Micah, if you're listening, we'll all respond to your email, but you offered up some pizza ranch lunch and listen, we would never turn that down. So um, Micah said, indeed, budget cuts and a one-year contract for Kirk Cousins at Pizza Ranch are the reasons. Right? No, it's an amicable parting of ways between Pizza Ranch and Kirk Cousins. Right. They can rekindle things at any time. Kirk was great for Pizza Ranch. It's a, pizza ranch great it, for it's Kirk. a budgetary decision and a tough yeah, time. Times are tough right now. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and, and so Kirk is no longer with Pizza Ranch. Alex predicted at AEW All Out pay per view, MJF will lose to John Moxley, which did happen, but he said it would be because of Wardlow. Mm. You might as well have read that in French to me. In fact, Wardlow, I believe, tried to toss like the brass knuckles or something to MJF. He tried to help MJF. Oh, wow. uh, Brother Liam said Declan will spill liquid on Brother Liam's area rug during his trip to North Carolina. The closest it came was night number one, and it was a cup of water, not even an adult beverage. I was very close, but ne- no no spilling on the rugs this year. I was shocked. Congratulations. Wow. Amazing. Thank Amazing you. run by you to not spill something on that carpet. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Brian predicted that Nathan McKinnon will complete the comeback uh, for the Avalanche against the Stars in the playoffs. And Megan salvaged the Megan. week. She salvaged the week by saying the Twins will sweep the Tigers in Friday's doubleheader, which is probably close to a home run, but, I mean, it's she predicted the Twins will win two games in a row, which is yeah. which uh, will give her the hit for that one for sure. Declan, you said between now, which was May 13th, and week one, the Vikings will sign a cornerback with at least four years of experience. Find a defensive end with four years of experience, but or traded okay. for one. Uh, but you did redeem yourself by saying that the NFL's kickoff game between the Chiefs and Texans on September 10th will go on as scheduled unless something happens in the next 24 hours. <laughs> you get a hit for that. And the new batting averages are. Oh, God. Judd Zolgad still clinging to the lead. 436 with three home runs. Declan Goff, 426 with a home run. Rami Makhlouf up to 396 with a home run. Phil Mackey, myself, 319 with two home runs. Listeners, 254. Wow, they kept it 254? Yeah, uh, it's it's that time of year where you just have a lot of that bats racked up. Yeah, that's impressive to keep it at 254. Okay. John Harrison, 209 with two home runs. And Manny Hill, 147 with one home run. Poor Manny. On the season. All right, so here's the order. We're going to go Jeff in Texas, uh, and then we're going to go over to Jeremy, and then we're going to go to Judd, Phil, and back to Declan. Let's do it, guys. Jeff in Texas, are you are you here to hit bombs or what? Write this down. Nope. Not a launch ankle guy. Two for four. <laughs> couple ribbies. Go ahead, Rod Crew. All right. All right yep. So the uh, the first one is completely within your guys' hand. But by next season of Write That Down, you will have a new rule in place that at least one prediction must come off the board the following week. I like that. I think we might have to just institute that for the stretch run of 2020. Just so, yeah, just so we can't push predictions. A, Jeff comes into our house and just yeah. causes uh, a I lot like of uh, a haymaker. Because I, I think what you're getting at here, Jeff, is that oftentimes to preserve statistics in the current season or even to just like we sit out, not have to come, you know, have your comeuppance for five more years. We sit out. Yeah. I like where he's going. We preserve yeah. our yeah. averages. Yeah. yeah. All right, over to Jeremy. Yep. Jeremy, you uh, you uh, ready? I am ready. 
Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, write this down. Uh, this Sunday, Vikings will beat the Packers, and Kirk will throw for at least 300 yards, three touchdowns. Ooh. 303 and a win over the Packers. That'd be pretty... Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Judd's okay. The Vikings will open the season by not only beating the Packers, but then they will win at Indianapolis in week two as well. So they will will open. Yes, I am a a purple, faithful, hopeless homer. They They will beat the Packers. They will beat the Colts. I am going to stop there. I was thinking about going for three, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, easy retirement. Easy, easy retirement. I'm, I'm, I'm rounding second. I'm going to. Th- oh, my God. Where'd the ball come from? Why am I out? Third hey, base Byron, coach is like, second. stop, stop, stop. Byron, take second. Write this down. Declan. All right, all three of my predictions have to do with Vikings and Packers this week. Uh, we'll start with this one. The Vikings will beat the Packers, and Minnesota will score at least 20 points. So they'll beat the Packers, and they will score at least 20 points. Okay. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, I'm going. I'm going Vikings heavy too, and this one's kind of a Vikings prediction. It's more of a former Viking prediction. Write this down. Adrian Peterson will run for at least 700 yards with the Detroit Lions this season. They're going to give Adrian Peterson the rock. They've got some banged up running backs, and uh, Adrian is going to force his way. Also, if you look at <laughs> the history of like the Bill Belichick strategy, and Matt Patricia comes from this of grabbing old. Hammer and nail running backs, and or or guy like Legarrette Blunt was not old, but like let's just put a guy in there that can rack up yards on the other side of the fifty. Like I think they're I think they're going to use him when they're leading for sure, and for sure when they're like inside field goal range. Write it down. You like writing things down, Jeff in Texas. Okay, uh, I got a parlay here. Um, so I want to say. I want to say Twins will have a share of first place by the time you record, write that down next week, but I'm going to say Twins will be in solo first place when you record, write that down next week. Okay. All right, so they got three at Cleveland and two at the Sox before, write that down. So they can mm-hmm. easily they can easily get that spot solo by taking care of those teams. And then to parlay with that, the Vikings will win Sunday by 10 or more points. Ooh. Well, you're parlaying that puppy, huh? It's a home run. Yeah. Listeners only have one home run in the season, so if that happens, then I like it. it's a it's a second home run. Yep. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. All right, back to Jeremy. Uh, Daniil Hunter and Yannick Ngakwe will combine for at least 26 sacks this season. Ooh. I could actually see Daniil Hunter, if he's healthy, just having 26 by himself, but... I'd be good with that. <laughs> 14 from the left side, 12 from the right side, something like that. Something like that. Well, maybe 15, That's not too maybe bad. 15, 11. That's not too bad. Not too bad a season. Yeah. Write this down. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. Then. Judd Zolgad. I'm going to make it official. Kenta Maeda will start game one of the playoffs for the Twins. I don't believe that I have, as much as we've talked like about this topic, him. I don't know that I have that one. So he will start game one of the playoffs for the Twins. You have some sort of a Kenta Maeda. I don't think it's that, though. Let's see here. Kenta Maeda. I just to make sure that well, you're if not I could get my, cheating the system If here. I could get my computer back, it would help because I've got all my old predictions yeah, what, on so my Yeah, so you brought your computer to the shop like, yeah, a month ago. God. A month ago. Thank God the Dex lo- loaned me this one because... What happened? Um, The guy that processed it through and was supposed to work on it, I was told when I went back last week, went back to college... And so it went to somebody else to work on, and they are—it's just unbelievable. Declan, how far it's into a co- terrible experience? How far into Cobra Kai are you, Declan? 
I am four episodes into season two, so I'm through all okay. of season one. Do you remember the scene, uh, spoiler alert here, where yes. where the kid is working, he pretends to work at the electronics store. That's and a guy, my guy. A yeah. guy drops off the computer, and, and so he pretends, he puts the shirt on, pretends to work. Oh, we'll get this fixed right up for you, sir. And then he just steals yeah. the computer. Okay, that's my <laughs> yeah. that's that's my computer right now. It's exactly probably right it's now. probably on some campus, probably at... <laughs> St. Thomas or the U of M or something. It's hilarious. Anyway. Write this down. Write it down. Phil, you like writing that's things fair down. Enough, Phil? Yep, that's good. Your other Maeda prediction is that Maeda will win at least one game in the playoffs out of the bullpen. So you're Oh, that's probably gonna be wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, because he's there's almost He's a, not coming out of the bullpen, no. No, he's not. All right, Declan. All right. Aaron Rodgers will throw only one touchdown pass against the Vikings this Sunday. Only one Ooh. touchdown pass against the Vikings. So it's so exactly one touchdown pass. Exactly one touchdown pass against the Vikings. Okay. Write that down. Write this down. All right. Write this down. Yannick Ngakwe will set a career high in sacks this season. New career high in sacks for Yannick Ngakwe in a Vikings uniform. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Let me go back to Jeff in Texas. Your final prediction. Okay. I got a three parlay here. Whoa, Jeff, dude. I love Jeff. Oh, you're swinging for the heels, baby. Yeah. So the first pick taken in this year's NBA draft will not be on the Timberwolves at the start of the season. Okay. So whoever's whoever's drafted first will – okay. All right. Will not be on the Mm -hmm. Timberwolves. Dalvin Cook will get an extension before the end of the year. And your Dallas Stars will be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In the Stanley Cup finals. finals? Yeah, in the in the finals. Finals. Yeah. Got it. Okay, got you for this year. Okay. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down? I like. Jeff has come out. That swinging. takes a lot of guts, right it. there. Jeff. Jeff just gave us three separate on their own standalone. Write that downs. As one parlay. As one parlay. It's great. Yeah, that you, is some good, good guessing. You right got to have grapefruits the size of Texas in this game sometimes. <laughs> uh, Jeff, since you have this platform here, would you like to thank anyone in your life that got you to this point? Oh, you guys. You guys I, I miss you guys so much on the radio. I mean, every every morning I had you guys on, you know, getting me through the day streaming on my phone. And I got, like, so much questions. I know you have a busy man. If you ever had 15 minutes to chat, I'd like to just – Pick your brain on the whole brain on the whole industry and stuff. Stuff Shoot. some stuff just doesn't make sense why Minnesota has one sports station. Hey, like, shoot shoot me an email. Actually, do this. Okay. Shoot me an email, pmackey at scorenorth.com. And uh, since okay. you're online, why don't you ask one question? We'll answer what, whatever your industry question is. We'll answer it to the best of our abilities, and then you can you can email me offline, and I'll answer all the other stuff. Okay, so. Yeah, I don't understand. Here in Dallas, we have two and a half decent sports talk radio shows that go dusk till nine, ten o'clock at night. With, I mean, great. They both get enough ratings and all that. I don't understand how really one bad morning show up there can hold the market. I mean, I'm not 16. I'm 56. I don't want to listen to, you know, sure middle school stuff. I, I don't. I just didn't get it. What I didn't know. Like, what the hell happened there that the whole format got changed and everything? Because it was all good programming all day. So I would so two things on, on the power trip front. I give those guys credit and that they have, whether you like the show or not, they have 
done an unbelievable job building an audience. And and by the way, they've been building an audience for like 20 years. And superstar Mike Morris yeah. was a huge part of that for the first 10 or 12 years. And um, and I think they deserve a ton of credit for just cultivating and building this huge audience. And so whether like whether it's your cup of tea or not, I mean, it, it certainly resonates with a lot of people on the on the Texas front in terms of because I know you guys it's, it's the ticket, it's the fan. And then there's like like an yeah, ESPN yeah, radio. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the problem in the Twin Cities compared to other markets, uh, when you get into like the top five markets and Chicago is one of these, they have two AM sports talkers. AM radio has bigger audiences and oftentimes has professional sports partnerships to boost their audiences. And, you know, part of the issue with, with 1500 ESPN and then with score North was it's on AM radio and AM radio is not outside of like WCCO. It's not the healthiest in the twin cities from an audience standpoint. Um, And, you know, we just, we don't have a Vikings partnership. We don't have a twins partnership to help boost audience. And so we took the digital play and we were building something awesome and continue to build something, I think, great when it comes to Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. And, and hopefully we can keep um, pushing forward once COVID officially subsides. But we had an uphill climb in that we didn't have a lot of the built-in advantages as other FM sports stations here and around the country. But we said, let's push the rock up the hill anyways. And we were gaining some traction, then COVID hit. And so that's why you saw all the the changes that were made on May 1st. So. Okay, that makes sense. But, yeah. sh- hey, shoot me an email. I'll answer questions. pmackie at scorenorth.com. And nice predictions, Jeff. Yep, thanks, guys. Cool, man. See you, Jeff. All right, let's, let's go. Jeremy, you're Write it final. down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Jeremy, fire away. All right, my last one. I am uh, Detroit to prediction. I'm going full Mickey Tettleton on you, either uh, strikeout <laughs> or third deck. Nice. Uh, the Detroit Lions will make the playoffs, and Judd's guy, Matt Patricia, will be coach of the year. Woo! Wow. Those are Judd's back head would to explode back. <laughs> just bold <laughs> predictions. Mickey Tettleton, just the bat dangling by the his gr- side, ready to hit One a One of the bomb. great stances, Absolutely. man. <laughs> Mickey Tettleton, great stance. Tettleton and Cecil Fielder just Write back to back. So, uh, Jeremy, you've done an awesome job today. Since you have this platform, is there anyone that you would like to thank in your life that got you to this point? Well, i got to thank my wife and my two boys, my parents, and uh, I just appreciate the job you guys have been doing. I Enjoy listening to you every day as much as I can, and uh, I miss Rami. I, I enjoyed Rami on the show, but uh, I, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Just keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. And Rami is now a regular fill-in on his old station, The Fan in Milwaukee, so uh, feel free to call in and hijack any segment that, that you want. I'm sure he'd be happy to I might have me. to do that. I, I was I was skeptical of him when he was hired on at Score North, <laughs> and uh, he uh, – Turned me around pretty quick. He was a good lesson. He's a good dude, man. You guys are. Thanks, Jeremy. Yep. Thank Appreciate you. you coming on. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Back to uh, write it down. You like writing things down. Back to Judd Zolgan. Dalvin Cook will rush for more than 100 yards in at least two of the first three games this season. So you've got Vikings off to a nice little start here. Dalvin Cook. Did you say? Did you say more than or at least? Dalvin Cook will rush for more than 100 yards in at least two of the first three games this season. So in at least two of the first three games. I love the sharpening of the pencil here. Everyone's trying to like, all right, so no one wants to make the mistake that. But no, yeah. but yes, yeah, yes, yes, 100 yards is the mark. Okay. Write it down. You like writing things down. Declan Goff. All right, so this is a little complicated, so I'm going to give some parameters. But here it is. And I think this is a home run. Yannick Ngakwe will play a factor 
in a forced fumble against the Packers. So that means either a sack, a tackle, a forced fumble, or a fumble recovery. He has to have one of those four credited for against the Packers. Or can it just be a forced fumble or a fumble recovery? Yeah, because he would force the fumble and... Like, like so, you're saying you're, what you're trying to get credit for here is like, let's say Ngakwe wraps up uh, Rogers, and mm-hmm. then Daniil Hunter pokes the ball out. That you want mm-hmm. Ngakwe to to be associated with that fumble, even if he doesn't Correct. get the forced fumble. But but I have I have a forced fumble, and because it, it could like, what if Aaron Jones comes past the line of scrimmage and he forces a fumble? Okay. Like I, I have it, I have it in that way. I think to be a home run, it, it needs to be sharpened to he okay. forces the fumble. But yours is fine, but it's not a home run to me. I, I think Judd and I would prefer that we just lean on the the official scorekeeper here. That it's either a, if it's a forced fumble or a or a fumble recovery, or a, you know strip sack of some kind, which would also be a forced fumble. Or is there another category here that I'm not thinking of that you're trying to get credit for? I'm just thinking of if it's not a sack and he gets a tackle past the line of scrimmage, but yep. it leads to a fumble. Yeah, that's then a I want fumble. credit for that. Isn't that a forced but, fumble? Well, if somebody else strips him of the ball, though, the, the force he could get credit for half a sack, but the force fumble would go to Hunter if he okay. forced the fumble. But I don't so think that's saying, a home run. Then, if you okay, make it, if you fine. make it, he's going to force a fumble. That's a home run. That's a, that, that would be a home run. That's a home run. But but so just real quick here. So you're saying Aaron Jones gets a handoff. He mm-hmm. he runs two yards past the line of scrimmage, and mm-hmm. and Ngakwe leans over, wraps his legs, and on the way down, Eric Kendricks punches the ball out. Right. And gets the force fumble. Right. That you want that included because technically Ngakwe was part of the process of the fumble. Right. Okay. Correct. I- I'm okay with Correct. that. I think it okay. I think it lessens and it's we'll deal with it when, when the accountability okay. session happens next week. Okay. All right. Okay, final prediction here. Write notes. this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. So Judd, you have the Vikings starting two and oh. Yes, sir. I've got the Vikings starting three and oh. Okay. I Write this did. down. I, Write it down. You like pull, writing things I down. I couldn't pull the trigger on the Titans game yet. Two home wins against Green Bay and Tennessee, and then a road win against my guy Philip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. With fans and in the stands. And then the schedule Ooh, gets boy. aggressive. Then you got to go at Houston and that new contract with Deshaun Watson at Seattle, which the Vikings seemingly never went at. Home against Atlanta looks like it should be a win, but Matt Ryan is still really good. And then a bye week. So. There it is. Write that down. Predictions for the week, boys. Write this down. Write it down. You like the writing things predictions. down. We're really solid today. That's one of the best That's weeks one. of listener predictions came, we've ever had. They came with a lot, a lot of. I, I love the, the fact that the first guy, that Jeff, uh, his last prediction was essentially three separate predictions themselves. Yeah, he wasn't here to screw around. No, it's good stuff. No, that took some. Uh, that was very. To quote the old fifteen hundred ESPN, that was very ballsy. It was very ballsy. ballsy. All right, before we wrap with Ricey here, gentlemen, last night. Something significant happened. Jimmy Butler, I actually think this might be the first time Jimmy Butler has ever made it to the Eastern Conference Finals or any Conference Finals. Because I yeah. I think, I don't think he was a part of, if he was, he was not a significant part of the Bulls team like nine years ago uh, that went the deepest during their Tom Thibodeau run. So Jimmy Butler helps the Heat uh, in five games over Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the first five seed or worse to get to this point in the playoffs, I think since like 2013 or 14, the Memphis Grizzlies got to the conference finals. So Judd, your thoughts on Jimmy Butler finally getting what he wants. He, he forces his way out of Minnesota and then gets sick of Philadelphia and he works his way to Miami and he's the man on that team. And he's surrounded by a bunch of good young players and it seems to be working that formula 
crashed and burned in Minnesota. Yeah, it didn't quite crash and burn in Philadelphia, but it. He just I didn't feel want to be like there he, I feel like he got out of that before crashed and burned. So your thoughts on on Jimmy Butler <sighs> taking his brand of team building yeah, would... to Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals? So I'm very torn here because I hate how he did things here. Like I didn't think it helped. Um, I thought it was counterproductive. I thought it was completely self serving. He was brought here to help and and essentially just decided across the board, these guys, they don't care. And look, you know what? If this had been a Wiggy thing alone, I'd be like, Jimmy, okay, I get that, right? But how do you look at Cat? At and I get that he might not have the DNA as far as trying to win the Jimmy Butler does or wants. So I get that part of it. But how do you not look at that talent and think, I'm – I'm going to change this. Like I'm going, and I'm going to do it in a productive way too. I'm not going to go to a practice after I have not shown up for training camp and uh, and mock the entire team. So I'm very very torn here. I, I thought it was confirmation of the fact that he is not a great guy and hard to play with. That he forced his way to the 76ers and then it sort of went south there. Same thing. Um. So. I'm conflicted here because I didn't think that he would necessarily have this type of success. He has credit to him. Here's thought two, though, because I I was thinking about this last night. What's the difference here? Because NBA players, for the most part, in 2020, guys, and this is not surprising, but a lot of them are who they are, right? Like, Like, Cat is not this unusual, oh, my God, he doesn't care, and everybody else cares. Now, Butler is wired differently than that, and I completely get it. But again, what's the difference here? And I came back to one thing. I think it's very simple. I think it's coaching. Eric Spolstra's really damn good and has been for a long time. And and we can say all we want, and it's been said, well, he had LeBron. Of course you. I mean, look at that team. Yeah, but you got to manage that team, and you've got to know how to do it, and you've got to know how to appeal to, to different alpha personalities, because if you don't, they will bulldoze your butt and you'll be done, right? Um, Tibbs thought he did, but he really didn't. No. Uh, Brett Brown, who, who just got fired by the Sixers, clearly didn't. And so so I guess I guess my the piece that I find in this entire thing with a guy that I consider to be a belligerent bully and butler having the success is the fact that it does make sense. Because he went to a place where there was what the one thing that doesn't exist here. I think it might eventually, but it sure didn't with Tibbs. And it almost certainly did not exist and does not exist at this point in Philly infrastructure with a leader who knows how to how to play the Jimmy Butler board game, basically. You have, Judge Zolgad, you have nailed it. It is Eric Spolster is the reason why this works. And Pat Riley is the reason why this works. Pat Riley is probably the George Washington, uh, well, Phil Jackson's in this mix too. If you had a Mount Rushmore, a cliche Mount Rushmore, of Eagle management coaches in NBA history, it's Pat Riley with the Showtime Lakers in the 80s and then those aggressive, egomaniacal Knicks teams in the 90s. And then think about his run with the Miami Heat too, like Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade and like alphas all over the place in the early 2000s and then putting together LeBron James and Bosh and like his whole career, Pat Riley has been, I'm going to take all of the best talents and just figure out their personalities. 
And Eric Spolstra comes from that type of DNA and and coaching and executive tree. I think Eric Spolstra is one of the great modern ego management coaches in the NBA. And like these NBA coaches, like you said, always get dinged for. Well, I mean, Phil Jackson had Michael Jordan, and okay. Let's take you, random guy off the street, and say, you now have to coach Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan. And by the way, now that we've all seen the 10-part series, The Last Dance, we know how big of a pain in the ass Michael Jordan probably was to coach on a regular basis. Oh, you just sent roll the ball out. Well, that's what Doug Collins did in the 80s. It didn't work. They didn't win championships. And so, like, to, to what you were saying, in the NBA and in really all professional sports, but particularly the NBA, you don't get the luxury of choosing between great talent and... And great personality, you know. In most other lines of work, in our line of work, like you know, I'd like to think that we're you know, decent enough at what we do, talking on a microphone and writing and entertaining. That like you know, we've got these full time jobs and it's great. And but if we were pains in the asses at every corner and never took a sales meeting and like always were in contract disputes with our bosses, guess what? They would just find other people to talk on the microphone that were less of a pain in the ass. In the NBA, you can't just say. Oh my gosh, boy, Kobe Bryant's just a pain in the ass. Let's just get him out of here. No, like he's the be- he's the best player for ten years. Right. So if you're the, if you really have no choice, if you're a coach, if you're Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler is one of the twenty best players in the NBA, and so you need to figure out. Let's start with talent, get the talent in the door, and then figure out how to manage the egos and the relationships and get people to to mesh together. And Tom Thibodeau is terrible at that. He proved that he was terrible at that. Yep. And Jimmy and Jimmy Butler makes it tough too, but like ultimately it's a coach's job to put all of those talents together and personalities and get them to work. And the one guy that Tom Thibodeau has been able to at least like put his arm around and get to work is probably the most like selfless, introverted star in the NBA's last twenty years, Derek Rose. It works with Derek Rose because Derek Rose is like, Yeah, whatever, you can just yell at me and I'll just I'll just play hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever, like, I'm just a, a, everyone gets along with Derrick Rose. Everyone loves Derrick Rose. But if you put Carl Anthony Towns' personality and then Andrew Wiggins' wallflower personality and then Jimmy Butler is just this, you know, stick of dynamite, like, hey, buddy, it's on you to figure out how to get these guys in a room and work together. Right. Tom Thibodeau is an epic failure at that. Eric Spolster is one of the best. And Butler ne- needed desperately somebody to push back. And, and Tibbs, the thing that drove you crazy about Tibbs is he pushed against the people that he probably shouldn't have. And And look... To me, the defining thing of the entire Butler-Tibbs thing is when Butler showed up for that practice finally and supposedly, what, worked with the second or third team and it's like, I beat the first yeah. team, blah, blah, blah. And he was mocking his teammates and he was basically and, – and again, he hadn't practiced until that day. That's the day where you said Tibbs has to go because how on earth do you not manage that immediately? And how on earth do you not – not say, dude, number one, you're gone from from this practice. And number two, we're not going to tolerate that that crap. Jimmy Butler is begging as a as a person, not just a player. He is begging for structure and he is begging you to give him what he wants, which is pushback of you're not in charge. I am. And I don't know what Spolstra does or his means. But he clearly has, and I think the most important word here is structure. I think he's created a structure which in, because how, how much have, have we heard Butler pushing against his teammates with the heat? How much have we heard about him lashing out? I have not seen a story yet. Yeah. And he's, Tibbs, yeah. And, and the problem with Tibbs is, and this is a, a fundamental flaw, the problem with Tom was I think that Tom saw 
him and Jimmy as a team. That's not how this works, dude. You're in charge. He's your player. Correct. I'll, I'll also add, like, where, where Jimmy Butler did make a mistake. The Heat are on a great run. I would be shocked if the Heat went any further here. Like, the, the, this is, the, I think the Heat are just maxing out. It's a great young group of talent, and Jimmy Butler is a really good player, but I don't see the Heat. I certainly don't see them if they get to the NBA uh, Finals. They're not beating the Clippers. I don't think they're beating the Lakers. So I guess there's a chance they could sneak in, but I don't think they beat Boston. But from a roster perspective, Jimmy plus Carl Anthony Towns, in theory, like that's a better sidekick and a better compliment. Yeah. And and probably that nucleus surrounded by the right infrastructure gets Jimmy Butler a championship. But he did he had no desire to try and make it work. Where it does work better for him in Miami is Bam out of bio is the is the young twenty three year old like secondary star there. Very different player than Towns. He doesn't shoot, but he's one of those workmanlike. He's going to get you 15 to 20. He's going to get you 10, 15 rebounds. He's going to throw the ball Great around. Piston. Like he is. He's Great a kind of a throwback player. Piston. And he loves playing defense. And so, like, oh, God, Bam yeah. Adebayo is not as good of an overall player as Carl Anthony Towns in my mind, but he's a better fit with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler loves players like that. Sure. So. But it's a yeah, I mean it's it's a trip to watch him, and he's fun to watch. Like Jimmy Butler is a fun player to watch, and he was he's fun just, to cover. Yeah, but somebody had to control him. Yep, and uh, put their foot down once in a while, and nobody here ever did that to him. Do you think he winds up back with Tom Thibodeau in New York at any point in the next three years? <laughs> not unless uh, he's, Miami's the place that he wants to be. Not right? unless he's a broken yeah. down completely. Like if he tore his knee up or something. And and dropped off uh, substantially. Then yes, but beyond that, no. And how on earth, how on earth is Tibbs going to work with the Knicks, working for any team that's owned by Dolan? It's going to be amazing. Like how it's is this going to faces. work? It's going to be hilarious. But damn it, I want up. the Knicks to be good, you guys. I want the Knicks to be good. It's more fun. the NBA is more fun when the Knicks are good, and they haven't been good in. I forgot. Is what, it 50, 20 years? Is it really? Like, I forgot what it was like when the Knicks were good, and the NBA has been yeah. damn good. Well, it was since Jeff Van less. Gundy's teams, and they and they didn't 20 play years ago now. And, and they didn't play attractive basketball. But it but it's more fun when they're. I mean, the Garden should be rocking, and instead yeah. they've just become a complete joke. Yeah. So, and I guess the Nets have a chance now with uh, Steve Nash as their coach. Yes, they do. Let's get Patrick here. Woo! High fly left field, hit deep, going back is O'Neal, and that ball's gone. A three-run home run for Josh Donaldson. And the Twins take a 3 nothing lead. Patrick Royce, the Minnesota Twins, if the playoffs started today, even though they are nine games over five hundred and they, they've been mostly hot lately, they would be the seventh seed playing a three-game series against the Oakland Athletics. I don't want them. Oakland's too plucky. I'd rather play Tampa. I think as good as Tampa is, uh, I think I'd rather I'd rather pay, play Tampa than them. But listen, what happened yesterday was terrific because Josh Donaldson played both games. Yep, and uh, that the, the fact that uh, that Mister Cautious, manager Cautious. Uh, allowed him to play both games of the doubleheader to me was uh, tell told me that Donaldson has some influence with this guy and said I'm ready to play let me play I got to get sharp at the plate and uh, and the fact he played both games uh, you know he's a pretty dang good third baseman he moves around pretty good just uh, don't don't you know don't do anything rash with the cap. But, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> judging but, judging yeah. by the way, he and Nelson Cruz are uh, are running to first and second base on anything. Well, I, Cruz I don't think those guys are in, in any danger of. No, no, it's uh, we got to get Tommy in here for a match race. Remember the Tommy Gate? Yeah, he could hit. He could, he didn't change going. Up. It was a single or a triple. He didn't change his gate. To hit a triple, it would have had to bounce off like four guys in in center field. But he had that Toby Gate and Nelson. You know, Nelson will run hard though for an infield hit. Well, don't you? I mean, as hard as he can, right? He'll, yes. He'll, he'll yes, he'll, he'll try. He'll change it by ten percent. You know, the gate to get a hit. But <laughs> Josh is going to run at Josh's speed, and uh, he'll still hit some doubles though into that uh, right field gap. But uh, uh, they do uh, they do look better with him uh, with him in the lineup. That's for sure. And uh, it was a very good sign that he played both games yesterday. The Dauber, I think, uh, when he saw his life flash in front of him, lost its concentration when Matt Carpenter hit that screamer that almost hit him in the head. He couldn't throw a strike. That was Carpenter, right, that hit the screamer right back through the middle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he couldn't throw a strike after that. I think he had, like, uh, flashes or something. It was, uh, it was That was kind of uh, sad because he could have won that doubleheader, but he just lost it completely and... Uh, that uh, the other thing that Theo Bar Weeders at bat, I've never seen anything like that. But I, I think they say that's the longest in Twins history, right? The longest at bat in Twins history. They can only go back to nineteen eighty. Right. right. They can only go back to eighty, but I, I can't. Nineteen imagine. pitches, Patrick. Yeah, I can't imagine anything in the twenty years before that, because uh, you know they, you know, guys were up there hacking and putting ball in play, and uh, drawing a walk was not a big deal back then. Uh, I, I can't imagine. It had to be the longest. I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen it in a pad like that in my life. From a guy hitting 150. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, uh, and uh, you got to give Theo Bard credit. He kept throwing strikes there, although he came in and, and did not, uh, did not, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't sharp either. I uh, I heard Dick trying to give him the excuse that, well, when the inning started, he didn't. He didn't think he was going to have to pitch the way Tabnick was rolling, and Smalley blew that one off. So I was glad to see that. Man, I like Gavin Roy, the boy on the on the uh, yes on the on the ball game. I know everybody loves Morneau. He's a nice guy. He won't shut up for two minutes, two seconds. Uh, I, I'm fine with him. And uh, you know, Bert has worn. You know, Bert's hit the end of the line. But uh, when Smalley's on the game. My volume is turned up, which it isn't always turned up. <laughs> yeah, Roy's awesome. I, I mean, he is really. Good. I would love to see. So, so part of this, obviously, the twins are looking at like who's our next guy for the next ten yes, to twenty right. years, right? And Roy, you know, right. Roy looks great. He's also yes. almost seventy, which is crazy. Yes, yeah, it is. It is. He hasn't changed. Great hair. He's still, a, he's still uh, the same guy he was. He hasn't changed, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, he's not the future, and I think they've got received a very good uh, reaction on Morneau from a next generation, you know, that knows who he is. So that's uh, you know that's he's he's obviously the future. But I really like Smalley. Roy's great too, Pat. At, at um, when Dick says something that's super positive but off base, Roy's really good at diplomatically sort of correcting yes. Dick with, with without saying, "Hey, dummy, that's not true." <laughs> Well, you can uh, you can uh, detect from the distance, uh, which is only four miles now, because uh, they weren't St. Louis last night. But you can detect 
there's not the uh, the I, I don't know what to call it. I wouldn't call it uh, abrasiveness in the in the in the booth. But uh, Dick and Burke were not pals. You could tell that. You know, tension. Was, yes. In, in fact, did anyone listen to Burke's last game? Yes. The whole thing. Did I mention this before? In the eighth inning, he went out, took out of his way to when Bert, when Dick said it was a fastball, and he said, and he immediately said that was a changeup right there. Yes, he had, he had to give him one last shot. Yep. <laughs> you know, you could have after what. 25 years, you could have let that pass, right? But he didn't. He, he was, in fact, probably looking for it. But, but the other thing, the other, <laughs> the other thing about the last broadcast is Bert, Bert didn't even really have like a planned big send off or anything. He basically no. just said, uh, it's been a lot of fun and good luck the rest of the way. And then that was yeah. it. And, and, and yeah. he's, you know, it's the eighth inning of his last game and, you know, time is winding down and he still finds a way to go into the media guide to tell us what the record is of the opposing <laughs> pitchers, you know, random reliever. Yeah, well, he, he didn't change, but uh, you know, he was allegedly not going to talk to anybody. And, uh, you know, they told us before the game, cause I wanted to do a column on it and go down and talk to him for 10 minutes, you know, and uh, and they said, no, he's gonna. He wants to leave it just what he says. Well, as you pointed out, he didn't have really anything emotional to say. But then Hayes and Shipley basically went over to him and said, "Hey, Bert, we need something. We got to write something." And and then so then I, you know, I'd been over there to talk to him a little earlier, but without the notebook, you know. And then so we then he talked to us for fifteen minutes. You know, he was he was fine. He was he wasn't like you know, ready to, ready to have this big emotional farewell. So plus it's a little hard to have emotional farewell with the fans when there aren't any, right? Yeah. Yeah. He also got, he also got pushed out. So he's, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's not happy about that. It's not like, Hey, I'm done. They basically said, Bert, you're done. Or the twins did. But there's, you know, he's going to be down there in Fort Myers and, uh, and, uh, you know, He'll show up, and they're going to slip him some dough to do this and that. And he'll probably make PR appearances for him in Fort Myers too. So he's, uh, you know, he's still going to be getting the check. So there's no sense in no sense in burning the bridge, right? Hey, Patrick. You know, Bert. Bert's uh, second marriage. This is not. This is a little bit of CJ type gossip. But uh, Gail, who's a really nice gal, is uh, is uh, she also? Uh, she also is financially well off, from what I understand, because of because of her uh, daddy situation. So, mm. so I don't think it's not like birds. Look at you! Look at you! Page two of the Star Tribune in the Metro <laughs> section. Well, back in the old days, Sid would have reported that. You know, reckless speculation. <laughs> Roycey about town, man about town <laughs> column. I like well, I this. Think that the rumor is Daddy had a lot of uh, car dealerships, and Gail was the only child. So oh, anyway, that's nice. don't okay. be surprised if Bert is rich. A uh, question for you, sir. Can you tell me is there why on earth aren't they going to seed the eight teams in each league by record? This this whole thing of of it being it's the not, first the wild card. Yeah, it is. Why? Good. I mean, I can see putting two teams from each division yeah. in there, but why not just go one through eight? Is it is this because they don't want teams to from the same division to play each other? Is that it? I I, I don't know. Maybe that's it. I I can't. It just makes how no sense to me. Gonna, how are they going to seed 
I mean, they're going to seed them one, two, three, first, right? And then one, two, three, second. So, yes, that's how it's seeded. Yes, correct. Five, six, second, and then two wild cards. It's really so if the wild card, if the twins are eight games better than the than the Blue Jays. second place team in the West or the Blue Astros, Jays or yes, yes, uh, they're still going to they're still going to end up being the seventh seed. That yeah, that is I don't. It's be, you know why? It's baseball. They could screw up a one car parade. <laughs> you know, we, we we used to use a different word as how wow they could mess it up, but uh, they could screw up a one car parade. Why not just do it? This is completely different. Do it the simple way, one through eight. And if it ends up the White Sox playing the Twins, so much the better, right? Yes, I agree. In fact, you know what I'd do? I think maybe I would play the three-game series. Uh, you know, well, I guess you can't if you if you're going to have the two wild cards in there. But uh, I I would have the the the, the three-game series between one and two in each division what I'd have. Maybe have the two wild cards play each other too, you know, or something like that, you know. Don't but but it's stupid. One through eight's the way to yeah. go. So are we sure there's gonna be pods or not? I hear people writing about it like it's gonna happen, but they, they haven't oh, announced anything, anything yet. Anything. Yeah. I, I would think that the, that they would have to have that ironclad by this point. I mean there's three weeks to yeah. go for tra- yeah, like travel right. arrangements and everything you'd have to do. Why don't, don't you send? Why don't you send a text to our guy Mike Herman and see if he's been told to book travel and hotel and? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Where they might be going? Hey, yeah, don't look now, but there's 15 games left. Yeah, 15. You know, it's over. It's basically over, and uh, it, it's uh, you know, I mean, and they haven't announced anything yet. I don't know. You think they're trying to figure out where to put teams and? Uh, you know they they don't want to put teams somewhere where they're not somewhere where there's not going to be a team in the playoffs. I I don't know. I think that's what they're know. trying to do. Yeah, but again, to your point, Patrick, it's baseball. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And but I do. Uh, the more you think about it, really, if you're going to let one virus case stop you from playing for a week, like it did with the Phillies, uh, then you probably have to go into the into the bubble, don't you? I guess you yeah. could probably do what, but they need four of them, right? You'd probably send four teams to Milwaukee or something. This right. is the this is the Phil Mackey plan that was laid out I, four or five weeks ago. I think they're going to send the American League. I think the plan is to send them to California and to send the National League. Last thing I saw was to Texas. Okay. Oh, let's get down there. Yeah, let's get down there in Texas. And, uh, well, yeah, there's no problems down there. No, no, no. It's no. perfect down there. No one's going to yeah, get sick. See you. TCU's only got about 700 cases from the first weekend. Those Christians, don't they know it says Christian? Texas Christians? Stay in your room. Stop partying, you idiots. (laughs) Roycey for college president. (laughs) Yes, right. Here's your college president, Patrick Roycey. You morons. (laughs) Hey, so what's going to happen here with it's? Now that the Trumpeters and everybody's putting all this pressure on the Big Ten, are they going to now try to play in late October or something? I mean, what's going on here? What if the uh, the other three leagues start playing and not having serious problems? And they're able. Well, to we play? already had one game. Yeah, was that what you just said? There's a game for this upcoming weekend. Yeah, that or, just got or, canceled yeah, yeah. or yeah delayed. Yeah, because it, it was going to be uh, what a. Uh, 
the the SEC the non conference opponent, right? Louisiana Tech. Yes, and that's what it was. Had an outbreak. Yeah. Well, they you know look at the numbers. God Almighty, a lot of these TCU and SMU played the other night, and there's like hundreds of cases on their campus. So, I love it. I love it. I love it's football, we, man. We just decided who cares at this yeah. point. Just whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's football. Know. Football season. <laughs> just uh, it's time you for tailgating. The, you know, it's the great, and I'm a full believer in it. By the way, though, but we have now decided <laughs> putting this little thing on your head, and if you're not burning up, you can come on. <laughs> football. <laughs> This little temperature machine that you can buy for about 30 bucks is now determining. I, mean, <laughs> right. I think the highest, I've been driving around in a convertible is 100 degrees outside. And I go in there and I'm 97.4 every time. You know, so. <laughs> you know Pat, 98.6, I was led my whole life to believe that that was my temp. It's BS. I'm never that high. I'm 97.3 to like 97.7. That's it. Judd's looking at cool as a cucumber all the time. You're all lying to me. Plus, I think these machines are down about two degrees down, too, right? I I don't know. It seems like everybody's running a little cold. Ice water in Judd's veins all the time. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's right. Never a man to get worked up about anything. Nope. (laughs) All right, Pat. We're going to talk to you tomorrow. Uh, A little bit of a, a shift this week. We'll talk to you tomorrow, all right? Yes, sir. All right. All right. That's Rice. with Royce, Patrick Royce, legendary columnist. And by the way, if, if you're uh, if you're interested, over the weekend we dug up the first ever episode of the Mackie and Judd show. I'm sorry, the Royce and Mackie show. <laughs> we we well we posted the first ever Mackie and Judd show a couple months ago, but uh, the first ever Royce and Mackie show from April 12th of 2010 mm-hmm. outside the brand new Target Field. Frank Viola was a guest. So if you want to go back, uh, that's on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed just from like last Saturday or Sunday or something. So, um, all right, that's a wrap tomorrow. We, uh, I just got confirmation here. Hopefully he'll text you too, Declan. The Doogie will be in studio for a scoop tomorrow. Inside information about local sports teams and action movie rewind Friday, bad boys, plus all kinds of Vikings discussions on Mackie and Judd and on purple daily, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.